had this baby bird of a company. I'm trying to like keep this thing alive and feed it and nurture it and love it. As soon as we went viral, that baby bird was actually like a pterodactyl or something and it grew and immediately was trying to eat me. And we were just like, how do we make this work? Lindsay McCormick knows a thing or two about pivoting. After all, she went from planning to live in a van and travel around the country selling her sustainable toothpaste bits to then launching a transformative and still growing company that has taken the internet by storm and has left the big brands shaking in their boots. Bite Toothpaste Bits was a company Lindsay never meant to start, but a viral video helped launch her full time into the world of e-commerce after she went from 6,000 total lifetime sales to then 200,000 sales in a single week. Needless to say, she could no longer manufacture everything from her living room or her van and instead was thrown into the deep end trying to find production and shipping partners that could not only make her very specific products, but also do so in a sustainable way that stayed true to Byte's ultimate mission. There were challenges around every corner, but Lindsay navigated through all of them. And on today's episode, she shares that roller coaster ride of a story. Plus, she explained why she thinks it's so important to keep content creation in-house and the reason she's always testing new channels and leaning into video content. I mean, it is what launched her company in the first place, so it makes sense. And she reveals why she's not scared at all about the big name manufacturers making copycat products. In fact, she's actually excited about it. Hear all that and more on this episode. Before we get started, I wanted to remind you to subscribe to our weekly e-commerce newsletter at mission.org slash upnext in commerce. It's amazing. It's great. You will learn a lot of good things. Go subscribe. Really quick, I want to say thank you, thank you to our awesome sponsor, Salesforce Commerce Cloud. And I'm going to allow them to give you the inside scoop into some of the findings from their most recent State of Commerce report. Hi, this is John from Salesforce. Did you know that companies of all sizes and industries power their digital customer journeys with Commerce Cloud? Salesforce Commerce Cloud delivers B2B and B2C commerce, as well as order management around the globe. And with Commerce Cloud, you can engage with your customers anywhere and personalize interactions everywhere. Scale and innovate with ease and drive some serious growth for your business. And speaking of innovation, we recently surveyed nearly 1,400 commerce leaders and analyzed the consumer shopping and business buying behavior of more than 1 billion customers worldwide. And we uncovered emerging trends that will influence how companies can be successful and stay ahead in this ever-evolving landscape. To check out the trends we discovered, go to sfdc.co slash commerceinsights. That's sfdc.co slash commerce insights, one word. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Up Next in Commerce. I'm your host, Stephanie Postoles, co-founder and CEO at mission.org. Today on the show, we have Lindsay McCormick, CEO and founder of Bite Toothpaste Bits. Lindsay, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Steph. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you on here. So I was looking through your background and it looks very interesting because I've never had someone on the show who had like a background in production, working on like HGTV shows, like all my favorite things. So I was hoping we could kind of start there where you tell me a little bit about, you know, how did you get into the world of TV and YouTube and what was that like? And then we'll talk about your company afterwards. Yeah, for sure. So I, um, I, you know, I like didn't actually mean to start a company, which we can definitely get into, but I was working as a TV producer on the show House Hunters and I was traveling all around the country, um, filming. And whenever you're like filming a sh- that show, 
you'd only be somewhere for a few days. Mm -hmm. And so before I got into TV, actually, because I uh, wanted to make uh, nature documentaries and documentaries um, nice. before even getting into TV. I was a surf instructor and a snowboard instructor. And on the off season, I would travel any uh, little YouTube videos. And so, and this, that was like, oh my gosh, like back in like 2011, 2012. So it was like at the beginning of YouTube and the beginning of all of these, um, you know, kind of putting stuff online. And uh, it was really fun. But through working as a surf instructor, a snowboard instructor, it was, I was seeing, you know, the plastic washing up on my surfboard and, you know, the, the like climate change impacting our mountains. And so I wanted to get into uh, media. Like I had been really, really influenced by a lot of documentaries. Like at the time back, it was like Blackfish where um, mm -hmm. about uh, marine mammals, orcas. And so I was like, you know what? I think media is this amazing way to tell important stories. And I want to learn how to do that. Mm -hmm. And so I started at the bottom. I was an assistant um, and I, you know, was making nothing, working insane hours, but I loved it and kind of worked my way up over the years and then actually got to be producing, you know, I went from shows on travel channel to then HDTV. And that's what I was doing before, uh, before bite. So, I mean, that's amazing. What did the day-to-day -day look like as a producer for things like that? Cause I watch house hunters. I watch all those shows. Like, what were you actually doing? I mean, I saw that you even did like branded integration, which to me is very interesting. And I want to hear like, what did that look like? Yeah, I, I loved, I loved it. It was so fun. So for my, for branded integration, that was different. So I had previously been what was called a show producer on house hunters. And so when you're working and all shows are kind of, you know, they're all different because they need different things. Um, but basically you're in a producing team and your team is responsible for an episode. And you basically like, there'll be a certain amount of teams and you kind of just volley around the episodes. So like your episode one, your another team's episode two, episode three, episode four, and then you come back and you're like episode six. Mm -hmm. So you're like one, six, 12, you know, basically you're responsible with your team from start to finish to make the episode. And so that would be for show producing. I was, you know, helping basically, hey, it's funny because it's actually really similar to running a company because you're just trying to like, make sure everything happens, like get everything together, like deal with all the fires as they pop up. Yeah. Um, and I had like great bosses, like the best bosses. I learned a lot from them for integration. So that's something that um, I saw a huge opportunity in. And it was basically, so now that people are, you know, fast forwarding to commercials or, or, or not TVOing. Oh my God. What am I in the nineties? TVOing. Um, like, <laughs> DVR you know, yeah. or wait, what is DVR, that? <laughs> yeah. And so it's, you know, you commercials are important, but they started doing something. It was basically like a new word for product placement. Mm -hmm. And so that actually helped me a lot too now, like that I have a company because it's understanding how to organically integrate a brand with an episode. And mm -hmm. so that was like my job where basically there would be brands that were paying the network, uh, you know, an enormous amount of money to be integrated into the shows that I was working on. And I would be kind of the ping pong ball going mm -hmm. between the brand and the network and our production company, and actually being on the field and making sure it all happened and being able to kind of take these abstract concepts that we had figured out and um, make sure we hit all of the marks to get every shot that they wanted and then, you know, deliver it to them so that it gets placed into the episode. Uh, and so that was something that is, you know, really helpful. Cause like mm -hmm. now we're making videos for our, our company. And I'm like, well, we need this, we need that. Yeah. And this is how we're going to experiment. And this is how we know if something's working or not. Um, so branded, branded integration. And now it's like content in general. I mean, mm -hmm. when I was working on that a few years ago, that was like, 
like a separate thing, yeah. but now it's like everything is branded integration, you know, like yeah. I, I feel like there's just, there's brands are integrating into all this content because they have to, it's so fragmented. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that's kind of the, the whole, whole long thing. Oh, I, <laughs> but I love that weird background, but then somehow all came together. So. I mean, I, I love the background. That's why I was really excited for this, um, the show today. So when I'm thinking about branded integration, I always think there's still like so much untapped potential when it comes to content. And we've had a couple of people on the show who are essentially creating their own shows and movies and all that. And, you know, it's maybe 80% about the story. And then they, of course, have their products in there as well. And really cool stuff. Like, how do you think about success when it comes to that? Like when you're talking about now working on that for your own company, like, how do you know, you know, what could be successful? What works? Yeah. How do you go about approaching that? It's so important. It's so important. And we started the, we started from a video. So our, you know, I had been selling Bite Online. We had a little bit of traction with some like, you know, vegan and zero waste bloggers. And we had a video just go insanely viral on mm-hmm. Facebook. And that's really what launched the company. So it was kind of like, I already knew video was important. And now it's literally the whole reason my company exists type thing. Mm-hmm. For us, you know, we, we take content and video very seriously. It's not something we outsource. We do, we're an incredibly small team um, and we still do all of our creative in-house. Um, and it's, it's all either being done like the story and everything. Cause it's, for me, it's about being able to take sustainable, like sustainability is an incredibly nuanced topic that has so many details that you have to dig into, mm-hmm. but you have to be able to communicate it in a very easy way. Yeah. And I think that that's, it takes a lot of um, thought to be able to do it in like an entertaining, but also truthful and authentic way. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's kind of where my background comes in of being able to be like, how do we take this and basically, you know, distill it down into the most digestible way. Yeah. And so we, we put a lot of time and I think any brand um, that's growing right now um, to of all of the things that you outsource. And like, I see it a lot, you know, I'm in a lot of entrepreneur groups on Facebook and everything, and everybody wants to outsource their creative because mm-hmm. it takes so much freaking time, yeah. but it's like the last thing you should be outsourcing because it's literally your brand. Yeah. It's your brand and it's your, it's your vision and it's your voice. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, I, I give major props to the brands who are still doing it in-house. Yeah. I mean, you're fully leaning into that. You've got your YouTube studio that you're creating. So (laughs) I feel like you're living by that truth, which is great. So let's dive in a bit into Bite Toothpaste Bits. Like, tell me what is the company? And I also would love to get into how you started the company because I think it's such an interesting story about, you know, buying a van and being ready to like go all around the country and just having this like toothpaste idea and selling on Etsy. Like, I want you to kind of dive into all that because I think it's really fun. Yeah. So, um, I, and I love you, you have done more research than any, I love it. You know, everything in the van. So I started by, uh, you know, because I was traveling and I couldn't find an alternative. And so, and it was from that, it was from throwing out those little toothpaste tubes where I was like, Hey, wait a minute. I have, you know, when I travel for my shoots, I had like a little go kit, right? Mm -hmm. So I had my shampoo, my conditioner, my face wash, my body lotion, all in a reusable thing. So I didn't want to use the hotel stuff. Like I knew that that was wasteful. But then I was throwing out my toothpaste tube like every other week. And I was just like, this is like a thick plastic, you know, mm-hmm. like this is not cool. And so I started looking into alternatives. And that's when I learned about all of the harsh chemicals that are in there, where it was like sodium monosulfate, like PG, like artificial dyes and flavors that I don't even use like in my body care. And I was like, I'm using some in my mouth. What the heck? Um, plus I'm vegan. And I found out that a lot of the stuff, a lot of uh, commercial toothpaste tested on animals. And I was like, did not know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was kind of the, whoa, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm 
this is something that I'm doing every day, twice a day. So how can I do this better? Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't find anything that checked all my boxes. And so I started, I think like in typical producer fashion, it's like you find one little thing and then you just get obsessed with it mm-hmm. and then like expand. You know, I originally, I didn't want it to be a tablet. I really wanted it to be um, like, I was trying anything besides a tablet because I didnn't want to have to buy a tableting machine. Like oh. it was like a thousand dollars and this is supposed to be a hobby. And that seemed like pretty obsessive. And mm-hmm. I was just like, Lindsay, like you have to calm down. Like you're not going to spend a thousand dollars on like a hobby. Yeah. Um, and so I was like trying to, I ended up taking online chemistry classes and then talking to dentists and dental hygienists, like any on Facebook, whoever I like graduated high school and college with. I saw you were like on Reddit threads, like trying to figure oh, out the chemistry yeah. of toothpaste. And, Heck yeah. Like, and I, was, I was on, and I was on Reddit threads trying to figure out how to make drugs because <laughs> it was like, cause I had, once I realized that I couldn't, I had to make a tablet. I was like, shoes. Like, how am I going to make a tablet? And everything that I was finding online was like big industrial, Mm -hmm. like hundred thousand dollar machines. No one was giving instructions on how to use a little machine. So I was like, who is using these little machines? (laughs) Like who does this? And I was like, Oh yeah. Drug Drug dealers, dealers, like people who make drugs. (laughs) And so, um, so I was like on Reddit being like, how do you make ecstasy? felt like, I'm sure I'm on like numerous uh, numerous FBI watches for sure. Well, and even when I bought my machine, I actually had to uh, register with the DEA because mm-hmm. like the machine that you get, like the little TDP zero and the TDP five is so used in these things that they want to, they want to track them, which I think is great. But I was just like, this is crazy. Like oh what world gosh. am I in? Um, and so that was kind of the beginning of that. Then figuring out how to make tablets and toothpaste. And it was like, this was for me. And I figured like my parents are very supportive. They would use it. And then mm-hmm. like my friends who also care about the environment, they would. So like, it also needed to be effective. You know, I'm not like going to be like giving this all to people that I love and then like ruining their teeth. So it was really like, there were a lot of, that was high stakes for me to make sure that it was um, good. And uh, that's kind of how, how it all started in the living room, like bottling everything myself, and like working this machine. (laughs) And then you want to go and you buy a van, you want to be going and traveling Mm -hmm. the country in your van. And I guess Mm -hmm. the plan was just to sell on Etsy and your friends and things like that. Then what happened? Yeah. So like I was fully anticipating, I have like a photo of me like holding cases of this like vegan ramen. Cause I was like, I'm going to be so broke. Like I'm going to like start my own business and I'm going to quit my job in TV where I was making good money. And I'm going to like, my boyfriend and I are literally going to live in a van. We bought a van. It was the biggest purchase I had ever made. You know, we bought this, um, four, four, no, eight, four. So August 4th, we mm-hmm. signed the paperwork for this van and started ripping it apart. Cause we were going to turn it into a tiny home. Mm-hmm. And I was and then I was going to quit my job and we were going to switch it. Then August 8th, bite went viral. And all How? of a sudden what happened? it was like the video on Facebook. Okay. So what was this video? Point, yeah. So at that point we had like these, we had, you know, the vegan community talking about us and the zero waste community talking about us. And women's health had reached out and was like, Hey, um, we're featuring women businesses trying to do really cool things. Could you like shoot some stuff on your iPhone and tell us about your story? And we'll put a video together and we'll probably put it on our Facebook. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, no problem. Like literally shot it at six in the morning before shoot. If you look at it, like my hair was terrible. I was barely wearing any makeup. Like I was like on my way to LAX. Like it was in the bathroom before I went to LAX. (laughs) And so, and then I didn't hear from them for like a month and a half, like Mm -hmm. nothing. And then on the 8th, my phone started going so crazy with like ching, ching, um, that I thought we had like gotten hacked or there was like an error or something. But it was basically what had happened is that the video had gone up on Facebook like a few hours before and just went in like full steam viral. 
And we went from, I had done $6,000 in sales the whole year prior Mm -hmm. to over 200,000 within like not a week and a half. And it had 2 million, it had 2 million views within the first like eight days. It was, and then, and then what happened is that rippled. So then it was like business insider wants to make a video and, you know, uh, and like for like everybody now is like calling and I'm just like, okay, well, we're going to make the video. Yes. Yeah. Like, and so we're just like pushing out. And then what happened too, is that the women's health video happened and then it did so well, it got syndicated through Hearst, uh, outlets, online outlets. Mm-hmm. So then it was like Cosmo, Oprah magazine, all of these started playing it. And wow. so then that's basically, that was the company. I mean, that's when we started. And that's like, wild. And then, and then it, yeah. And then, like, there goes my oh. van life plan. Well, yeah. And I was just like, oh my God, like we literally moved in with my parents. Cause I was like, we had already put 30 days in on our house. Like we, we like, we, we oh moved gosh. it. I was just like, okay, this is crazy. So yeah, that's, it was definitely the van. We still have the van. It's beautiful. And it's sitting in Pasadena, not used. Wow. I mean, yeah. that, that's such a fun story. I was getting goosebumps thinking about like all these orders coming in and that's, so what was the content in your videos? Like, why did it resonate with people so much? What were you talking about? I think, you know, for the, what the video was, um, was just talking about these toothpaste tablets and the problem with toothpaste tubes. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that was something, and it was very much like it showed me like in my living room with the machine and it just kind of explained what what was in the tablets. And there was really nothing special about the video. And we've seen other brands like in our space, try to make it almost frame for frame. And it doesn't have the same steam at all. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it was just kind of like the right video at the right time with the right message. And then I think also is that once that happened, nothing about that video was like fake. Like, you know, every single thing is like, you go to our website and we've list out, we're, we're incredibly transparent. We're now we're finally getting all of our certifications, but we've been doing it even before, you know, it's like palm oil free, all these different things. Mm -hmm. And like, I think that what it was, is it really just spoke to those people, um, who wanted to be able to make a change and just didn't have an easy way to do it. Um, and I think, you know, our, I guess we didn't even really talk about our product, but it's, it's a dry toothpaste tablet and it comes in a glass jar and then compostable refill pouches. And so now that's actually like the refill system is like super, everyone's doing it in a different way, Mm -hmm. but we were definitely, we were the first ones to do it for toothpaste tablets. And, you know, one of the first to kind of like really get that mainstream in personal care. And I think that um, it was just like, people were like, oh wait, this makes so much sense. Like, and we see comments all the time on it being like, why didn't I think of this? And you're like, yeah, I know. Cause it's so obvious, but like we didn't, no one thought about it, you know? So that's yeah. so fun. Also just your energy and your vibes. I'm like, that's probably what, why the video did well. They just see you and they're like, obviously Lindsay's the best. So oh, I'm not yes, surprised. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think maybe I come off like very unintimidating and I think people like that because it's just like, it's, and I say this, like, if I can figure this out, like literally, you know, we, we all can. Hey there. Are you enjoying the show so far? Well, imagine your company's advertising placed right in this very spot during a future interview with another elite e-commerce mind. Imagine your messaging and logo directly connected to the industry's most prominent innovators and thought leaders, distributed across every major podcast platform and social network. Yeah, well, it's time to stop imagining. Learn how you can partner with Upnext in Commerce and sponsor this very show. Reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org and let's have a conversation. Okay, so you have a small scale operation with your tablet maker. 
And then you start getting all these orders. Like, what did the back end look like to keep up with? I think you said like 200,000 in orders in like a week or something. Like, what did you do when the prior year you had only had 6,000 in sales? It was like, it was literally the most stressful point in my entire life. Like, I yeah. had had one panic attack in my life before then. And like, they became like a, a bi weekly thing. And I was just no. like, this is like, what have I done? It was, it was insane. So luckily my boyfriend who is now my co-founder, we've, we've been together for six years and he has a business background. He was actually running a startup at the time, which I didn't even, we didn't even get into his startup had to get shut. Like they shut down mm -hmm. the week that we went viral, totally unrelated. And so he had like a venture back startup and that was like his jam. And then it was, you know, it just, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't, mm -hmm. this time it didn't work. And so he shut it down the same week that we went viral. And so luckily he That's had time hands and he knew how to do this. And so basically he started like running the war room. And so I'm sitting there like making the tablets still. And he was just like, stop making the tablets. You will never be able to make these tablets. He's like, we need to find a manufacturer. Mm -hmm. We need to do all these different things. And so that's what we had to do. We were back ordered for two months. I was sending out like these pleading emails to our customers, just trying to explain what had happened. And we found a manufacturer. We had to find a fulfillment center. Um, I was still shipping these out of like my, my house. And then we also had to get like business insurance. Like mm -hmm. we had to basically set up a company yeah. immediately. Um, and we did, you know, so it was really stressful, really crazy. I mean, my mom actually flew in from Virginia. We like to help at that point we had had to leave our place in well, West Hollywood because we were going to live in the van. Mm -hmm. Then we moved in with Asher's aunt and uncle. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we, my mom like flew out to help. And then we moved in with my parents because we were like, what family can we live with? Yeah. <laughs> because we have totally screwed this up. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of, it's how it, like, when I look back at those times, it was just like, so um, unexpected mm -hmm. um, and amazing. And it kind of felt like I had this, you know, all up until then I had this like baby bird of a company, you know, before we went viral, like I'm trying to like keep this thing alive and feed it and nurture it and love it. And I feel like as soon as we went viral, it was like that baby bird was actually like a pterodactyl or something. Yeah. And it like grew and immediately was trying to like eat me. And we were just like, how do we make this work? Um, and now I definitely feel like we're working with the pterodactyl. We all understand each other. And, um, and it's, and it's definitely working way better. Now. That's, so. that's so fun. So did you keep that, like the growth that you had from that first week where you're like, whoa, 200,000 in that week, like, did you continue that growth? And like, where are you guys yeah. at today? And how big's your team? Yeah. So that was, so when that happened, then the next question is how do we sustain this? Right. Cause mm -hmm. there's so many companies that have the blip and then go off forever. Yep. And we were like, we do not want that to happen. Um, luckily we had a Facebook pixel set up. We had all of our tracking set up so we could do retargeting, which mm -hmm. is like so important. Um, and we were able to just keep the momentum from that. We were able to do shark tank from that. We had like way more, you know, press opportunities happen. Mm -hmm. And so we were kind of able to just kind of keep feeding this cycle. We ended up having, um, now this, which was, uh, is a news site. We were the most cared about video in 2019. So like those kind of things mm -hmm. just keep like, keep on going, going, going. And then in 2020, I was one of uh, like fast companies, most creative people in business, which also then gave us like for the first time, like street, you know, like yeah. real credit in business. Um, and so it was just, it all just fed into each other. Mm -hmm. Um, we were in 2019, there were two of us full-time. Mm -hmm. And by the end of 2020, there was five of us full-time. And by 
now um, in 2021, we're uh, nine and we'll probably be 11 by the end of the year. So we're, we're keeping it small, Mm -hmm. um, but growing. Yeah. Very cool. And you got an offer from Mark Cuban on Shark Tank, right? But you turned it down. What was the uh, thought process behind that? And what was that experience like? He was, he's so amazing. And so I was like, I can't believe I turned it down. Like Mark Cuban, an actual billionaire. Um, You know, when we went on Shark Tank, we had our, our, like what we were going to do and what we were going to negotiate. Mm -hmm. And I basically was like, I knew it was going to be a whirlwind and emotional. My background's TV. It's a high pressure situation. I knew that. So I was like, the only thing that I can do is Asher and I had decided what our negotiation was before that. Mm -hmm. And if we went, we couldn't go over, we were like, if we, if it goes over, we have to say no. Mm -hmm. And we couldn't get to where we needed to be. And, uh, and so we had to say no, but it was also like, you know, we kind of went on there. Um, the name of the game on Shark Tank now looking back is definitely negotiate. And mm-hmm. we kind of went in being like, well, we want to partner. So we'll, we don't want to like, we don't really want to negotiate. We just want to be like, yeah. Hey, this is what we think is fair. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, that's not really how the Shark Tank thing goes. Um, but it was like, it was such a fun experience. Yeah. That's really, really cool. So how now where you guys are at, like, how do you go about um, advertising and marketing? Like, how do you get in front of new audiences and keep finding, you know, I mean, retaining your current customers, but also finding new people. I mean, it sounds like Facebook, you guys are there, you're doing retargeting. What other channels are you exploring and finding success with now? Yeah, that's the game. It's always finding the new ones, uh-huh. you know? And so I actually put a lot of my time into that. So mm-hmm. we're, we were on TikTok before many brands were taking it seriously. Um, we're on Clubhouse, yeah. like literally all the time. Um, it's so fun. And we're, you know, we're constantly testing out things while optimizing our bread and butter channels, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that that's something that um, is really, really important to do. Um, what no, no matter how big or small you are, um, is to just constantly be trying to like, kind of have a, like the pioneering spirit mm-hmm. on the new stuff. Um, and know that you're not going to win like all the time. Like there's, we, we like are constantly like learning being like, that didn't work. It didn't work, but it's like, you're looking for the things that do work because it really helps. Um, and if you're the one looking for that and you find it for anybody else, yep. it's, uh, it's really good. Yeah. It seems like it'd be hard to vet if a channel, I mean, think about like clubhouse, TikTok probably has more metrics now, but like, how do you think about evaluating if that channel is working, especially when you're coming from a background in TV and branded, you know, content. And like, I'm sure all the brands were like, we need metrics. And you had to really, you know, tie to different KPIs. Like, how do you think about that now when it comes to especially exploring like new things? We are, we try not to let early channels get dictated by that because, Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what you just, if you're tied to kind of making sure that you immediately see like the ROI and having the KPI, you're not going to be able to find those new channels because it's going to be really obscured at first, but it's kind of understanding like, you know, for clubhouse, it's like, this is a way that I like to talk to people. It's a very authentic uh, way. Mm -hmm. And even though there's no way for us to really track anything, I know that it's really important. And so because it's important, we're going to be there. Mm -hmm. And eventually we'll find a way to track it. Eventually we'll be able to see that. Um, And that's also kind of why it's put in a different bucket. You know, for us, it's not put in with the same Facebook, Instagram, where it's like, no, we know, we know what that's going to look like. Um, These things, it's kind of, we we know they're going to be weird and we're going to let them be weird and something's, you know, and, and just kind of explore and have fun. And I think that's really important too, is like, have fun, Mm -hmm. not going into it being like, this needs to work, going into it being like, 
how can we make connections? How can we get the word out? How can we, you know, um, learn and, and teach? And, and I think that's, um, that's been really good for us. Yeah. Are you finding areas to do like product placements in shows? And I'm thinking like your packaging is so beautiful and different. And I'm, yeah, just imagining it being in like different TV shows or movies or just places where you're like, well, what is that? Like, have you, especially with like your background, I'm sure you always see opportunities of like, oh, we should be there. Yeah. Well, it's funny too. Cause a lot of my friends, I mean, we're still in LA. So like, yeah. in my, like I'm in the TV producing world. So it's like, or I was, so all my friends are on all of those shows. So I'm mm-hmm. like, well, here's some bite for your shoot. Here's this for, you know, trying to get just cause like that's, they need it. I know. Cause yeah. I was that, you know? And yeah. so it's constantly we at least, you know, have it behind the scenes, which is super good and important because it's the same people on all the different things. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to, yeah, getting it on camera, we want to, and there's a few companies that actually do that, but we have not explored that yet. But I, I love the idea. I love the idea of it. Yeah. So I feel like we haven't really, which is pretty ironic considering my background, we haven't touched TV. We've done like everything outside of it, mm-hmm. but not yet TV. Oh, I'm excited to see you eventually mm-hmm. get in there. <laughs> So I was thinking earlier, you're mentioning how you had to find manufacturers quickly. How did you find the perfect partner who also, you know, had the focus on sustainability and using the ingredients that you wanted? Because I could see, I mean, especially for like, I mean, to me, the toothpaste industry, I feel like has just started kind of coming around where people are like, oh, maybe you shouldn't have fluoride in there. Maybe you shouldn't have all these other, you know, chemicals and ingredients and whatnot. And then if you add on the sustainability piece, it feels like a lot to bring to a manufacturer who's maybe like, I just do Colgate stuff. Like that's what I do. Like, how did you go about exploring that and finding people who would fit within your, you know, company mission? So especially at the beginning, like everyone said, no, yeah. <laughs> like it was like, it was impossible. Uh, it was literally like me, like begging. And at that point, like we had a lot of money coming in from orders that mm-hmm. we couldn't fulfill. So I was like, I have all of this money. Can you please just make my product? <laughs> you know? And they, and like, no one wanted to do it exactly as like a, a client, especially when we were small, like we were a huge pain. Mm-hmm. Like we were asking for, I mean, exactly what you said, like they had to be using these very specific ingredients that I like had, you know, bought from like Whole Foods and like whatever. And yeah. they didn't use it. And like, and we couldn't go to, we, we couldn't go to toothpaste manufacturers. We were going to vitamin supplement mm-hmm. makers, right? Cause we're like, who the heck makes tablets? Yeah. And so like, we're trying, they've never worked with foaming agents. They've never worked with like I mean, really like any of the stuff. And like, Mm -hmm. then when I tried to go palm oil free, oh my God, it was like the end of the world. And then we were like, oh, by the way, not only do we have this incredibly complicated tablet that we want you to make and it has to taste good and it has to break apart perfectly. And Mm -hmm. it has to, you know, also be able to withstand being shipped across the country. Right. So it's like this whole thing. It also needs to be in glass. Yeah. I was going to say the final piece of glass. (laughs) Oh my God. And that's not something that they do, right? Like Mm -hmm. this is when you go to these manufacturers, there are these, it's like a huge, um, basically like a tumbler, they throw all of the plastic bottles into it and it shoots it, it out onto the line. Right. So like, that's basically how it happens. You throw like thousands of plastic bottles into this big, oh, it's called a scrambler into a huge barrel basically. Mm-hmm. And the barrel shoots out the plastic and then the pills get put into the plastic on the line and then it gets whatever. So not only did we have a glass, so it needs to be put on like hand put on. Yeah. Right. But then we had these aluminum lids that kept denting because typically it's like these plastic lids. So when they put them on and the machine, like it basically like goes through these two pieces of foam that's like screws the lid on. So when it's plastic, it's fine. Nothing Mm -hmm. happens, but when it's aluminum, it scratches and crushes. So now we have to have people hand tightening our freaking thing. So it was like, and we were like, and by the way, it needs to cost this. 
it was so hard. Everyone said no. We finally found one that said yes. And then it's now it's like, and we like working with small businesses, but then we're like overwhelming them with orders because mm-hmm. we just keep on getting orders. Yeah. And so that was kind of, it, it, it was hard. Like, it's like, people are like, oh, she's like, they're good problems to have. And you're like, Hey, yeah, but they're actual, they're, they're problems. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like it's yeah. a real problem. Um, and like even our fulfillment company, it was incredibly hard to find a fulfillment company that would commit to not using plastic tape, mm-hmm. like so hard. Yeah. And so when we finally found one, they didn't even commit. They were just like, we'll try to use paper tape. And we we're like, okay, that's fine. You know, yeah. like, and so we were with them until we were big enough. And then we, then fulfillment companies wanted us. So then it was like, oh, hey, we know you're plastic free. We bought a flat, like a paper tape dispenser just for you guys. And we were like, oh, we'll come to you. And that's really cool because now it's like, there's other brands that are smaller than us that can work with that fulfillment center Mm -hmm. and they don't have to have the same battle that we did, you know? And so it was definitely hard. And the bigger you get, the easier it is. Yeah. How big, like what's that tipping point when manufacturers started reaching out to you all? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, the thing is, is that you're kind of, we're in a good spot now, but then it, what happens is that you then start, you still then start out growing mm-hmm. where you are. Right. Cause like we were, we were working with small, now we're at medium mm-hmm. and it's like, how does that feel? So I think what we're doing this time and like, I'm, we're learning as we go, right. Instead of going to a bigger manufacturer, we're going to do, we're actually in the process of setting up other manufacturers around the U S mm-hmm. so we're not right now. We're literally made right up the street in LA. Um, but we're going to also have one like on the East coast and then possibly one in the Midwest. And that would be the way that we would do it instead, as opposed to going to a bigger, like we, we like, we like working with, you know, small businesses. We like supporting that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's like, that's how we're going to go. Yeah. Grow. Which I think is probably more helpful when it comes to logistics and shipping and being able to like route orders, you know, East coast exactly. orders from your East coast facility and yeah, right. That's awesome. And we don't offer a rush shipping either because that's like the highest carbon footprint essentially. And mm-hmm. so being able to have a, you know, we have our warehouse here in LA. Now we have a warehouse in Chicago, so we can still get orders to our customers much faster without having to do rush shipping, which is mm-hmm. freaking sweet. Yeah, <laughs> so, that, yeah, that's great. What kind of issues do you encounter with people who come to your, you know, your e-commerce website and they're trying to learn about it? Like what kind of things did you have to solve on there that maybe you weren't expecting, whether it's around like education or how to use this or what is this? And like, what kind of things are you working on around your, the customer journey? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a huge ed- education puzzle, mm-hmm. right? Because it's something that pe- we brush our teeth twice a day, every day, since we're like four years old, three yeah. years old. So asking a customer or asking someone to break that whole concept and like use a tablet mm-hmm. is a really big deal, especially like we're all on autopilot. We brush our teeth. It's like, like who's thinking about that? Yeah. Um, and so I think that, you know, for us, it's, it's trying to explain, it's not only explaining the problem, right? Like the billion toothpaste tubes and, you know, the plastic problem in general, um, which thank goodness is getting way more, um, way more attention now than it was previously, which I think is just so important. Mm -hmm. So it's like, not only do we have that education thing, but then we have the actual using of the tablets, right? So you need to pop it in your mouth, you need to bite down, you want to use a wet toothbrush. And then if people aren't getting the foam that they want, it's explaining, you have to brush, you know, like bite down a little bit more, you know, Mm -hmm. this whole thing, very, very hands-on. And then the final kind of piece of the puzzle is the fact that we're subscription and the fact that we don't um, use rush shipping. Mm -hmm. Like in the world of, of Amazon, where everyone's expecting their thing to, 
end up the next day. Ours takes like a week to get there, yeah. you know, but it's, we're carbon neutral. We offset the carbon. We purposely choose um, slower routes because it's the, you know, it has the least footprint. So it's kind of like, there's a, there's an education piece every step of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily we've, we have like really curious customers who that's important to them, mm-hmm. you know? And so it, instead of being like penalized for our stuff, getting there like slow, typically they're like, oh my gosh, as soon as they realize why they're like, we get it. And yeah. thanks for doing that, you yeah. know? And so I think it's definitely a totally different way and way more work um, the way that we're doing things. But I, you know, in the end, it's, it's the most important thing. Yep. And it sounds like you made a conscious de- decision to not be on Amazon. What was yeah. the thought behind that? Was it you know, the, um, the sustainability aspect of it, or you just wanted to keep, you know, your customers in a place that you can fully educate and bring them on board? Or how did you think about that? Yeah, I, you know, it's funny because I get this question a lot and I guess I just for all of the reasons why you would assume for an eco-friendly brand, not to be on Amazon is, is true. Uh Um, and I kind of, at the beginning, I had to make that choice and I did and then I just haven't changed it. Mm-hmm. So it's not something that we would like, I'm not saying we would never ever do. I don't see us doing it, but like mm-hmm. if there was, you know, one of the criticisms we get a lot is accessibility. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because we are only available on our own site. Uh, we're not in retail and we're not on Amazon. And, you know, I've done that for like, I mean, a lot of reasons. Control is one of them. I know when it comes out of my site, it's not packaged in plastic. It's not, you know, I know exactly where it is. If there's a problem with the order, we can look it up. Like it's this whole, it's, mm-hmm. I like that uh, hands-on approach. You do compromise on accessibility. Mm-hmm. And so that is something that, you know, one of the things that we get is like, if you guys are really trying to, to do the most good, then why wouldn't you make it accessible to everybody by being on Amazon or being in Target? Mm-hmm. And for me, it's like, well, I'm not ready to think about that yet. <laughs> you yeah. know like, yeah. maybe, maybe you're right. I don't even think, I'm not even thinking if that's right or wrong yet, yeah. um, but I'm not ready to even like look under that, that yeah. thing yet. But yeah. yeah, so as of now, no. Cool. Makes sense. So let's yeah. talk a bit about product development because I know you have a new whitening gel product coming out and I want to hear, you know, what that process looked like when you were so focused on your toothpaste bits. Is that how? Yeah. Okay. Yes. And then shifting over to like starting to create new things and listening to maybe customers and what the market wants. Like, how do you think about developing new products and the logistics behind it and all of that? Yeah. New products are so fun. So I, we listen to our customers, like I think obsessively, mm-hmm. um, I'm constantly going through our DMS. I'm constantly going through Instagram where we have places on the site where we're asking for their feedback. Like it's so important to me, um, to have that really tight, uh, relationship with them. So we have, you know, our toothpaste tablets that we came out with mouthwash and we came out with mouthwash as a direct response to what they've been asking for. So mm-hmm. we have um, our toothpaste. It, it's really minty, but it's not like pow in your face, like t- like commercial minty. Mm-hmm. And we do that specifically because there's a lot of people who like, we want it to be natural mints. So you can really only get it so minty, honestly, mm-hmm. but also um, we just, we want it to be just a lighter mint. But what people are asking for is like a really pow in your face, like solution. Uh-huh. And so we were like, okay, let's do mouthwash. And so that's what our mouthwash tablets were or are. And you basically just pop one in your mouth, you bite down and they're made with nanohydroxyapatite, just like our toothpaste tablets. So it's good. Not only is that um, help to strengthen your enamel, but it also helps it like bonds your, coats your teeth and it makes them look whiter and brighter. Mm-hmm. So like, not only that, like it makes your teeth look nice and shiny. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, and it's like mint tea. Oh, yeah. it is like in your face. And, and it turns so into mouthwash, was- like from a tablet. 
Yeah. That's and wild. so we, yeah. And that was something that was super fun to make. So we used, um, it has similar ingredients, but not, but then we've also used like manitol. We basically put other things in there that just immediately like dissolve in water. Mm -hmm. So when you put it in there and you take a sip of water, it just like, um, it kind of, it just dissolves super fast and gets all over your mouth. Like yeah. it basically, yeah, it turns into mouthwash. And so that was super fun. And that was our customers asked for something like that. And so that's what we made. And then um, we have our bamboo toothbrush, which is has castor bean oil bristles, which is actually really rare. Most bamboo toothbrushes are made with nylon or polyester bristles. Mm -hmm. um, and so we did castor bean because that it will um, compost down to plant food, essentially. Mm -hmm. And then same with our floss. It's made of PLA, polylactic acid, which gets a bad rep sometimes because it's one of those industrial compostable things. But it's so thin that it kind of it's not like the same as when you get like a cup of like that's made of PLA. But mm -hmm. the reason we did that is the only other option is silk. And we're a vegan company and we were like, we're not going to do that. Also, silk, the silk floss broke too easily for me. And like, yeah. I use all of our products. So I'm like, if it's not working for me, it's not going to work for our customer. Um, and then our most recent one is our whitening gel. And so that was something that, again, our customer had been asking about because, you know, whitening, especially whether it's the light or the, um, you know, the trays, those syringes, like they're the plastic syringes, mm -hmm. not like, uh, you know, those syringes and the whitening strips are not recyclable, mm -hmm. right? So it's like, those are going in a landfill and like our customer and like, and me too, it's like, you want to, you're doing what's best for the planet, but you also like, it, you want to be able to like wipe your teeth and you want to yeah. be able to like wear makeup and like do these things. And so we were like, okay, how are we going to do the solution? And it was actually way harder than you would think because whitening gel it expands and contracts because of the peroxide in it. Mm -hmm. So when you put it in glass, it's way less friendly than plastic, which mm -hmm. will like, you know, expand and with the gel. And so it was actually quite a hard nut to crack, but it was like, it was really fun. And we're the first and only ones to ever do it. And we, we launched it last week and it's just sales have been amazing. And so that was one of the things too, that we're constantly trying to figure out how much do we order how is this going to do? And we're like, we don't have any data and like, no yeah. one's done this before. So like, how are you supposed to know? Um, and so, you know, we kind of, there's a lot of gut, a lot of gut um, thinking that goes into what we do as well. I was just going to ask about how you plan for like the order management and how much to even make. And I mean, how do you think about that when you haven't created a product like that before? I stress our ops guy out all the time. <laughs> like, you got it. Know. Yeah, I'm like, we don't know. I'm like, what? Like, we literally get on the phone and we're like, okay, like, what do we think it's going to be? And yeah. then we try to figure out, like, what's our lead time and how fast? Like, it's always coming up with, like, plan A and then plan B. And then, like, what's the ripcord plan? You know, like, what's, like, the parachute of, like, we've sold through this in three days. What do we do? So, yeah, we're kind of always coming up with, with those kinds of things. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I need to... uh I'm excited to try the whitening gel. I want to try this mouthwash. Now I'm like, yeah. just thinking about all, I'm just going to spend my whole day just like working on my teeth, <laughs> trying all the things. You and me both. <laughs> so where do you want to be in like a couple of years? Like, what are your goals? What are you guys focused on right now? That's a good question. I, I really like where we are now um, in terms of, I, I want to be doing what we're doing, but just like bigger. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, you know, we've seen some really positive things since we've, you know, started this journey. And like, I love basically being like the thorn in the side mm -hmm. of like these big companies. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so I think one of the things that has, has happened really recently that people think is like scary or bad, but I think is actually incredibly exciting is 
we've seen the big guys like big case, like get into our space. They're starting to come out with their own toothpaste tablets. Like they're mm-hmm. starting to, you know, launch these kinds of things specifically going after like our customer. And for me, that's like the most exciting thing ever mm-hmm. because we as a small brand can do a lot, but we can't do it all. Mm-hmm. And like the, the, the plastic problem and like the reason we're in this to begin with mm-hmm. is because the big guys have made unsustainable choices and have been caught in this race to the bottom. And they've been doing these things. So for them to like see us basically proving out the market, being like, mm-hmm. Hey guys, this works. Hey guys, this works. And then them feeling pressured to have to then be like, oh, we're losing part of our market share to this like little company. This is super annoying. Like, okay, fine. We'll release a toothpaste tablet. Even if they're not doing it for genuine reasons, right? They're doing it. Mm -hmm. And that's keeping plastic out of landfills. It's showing that people care about these things and it's going to uh, ultimately help the movement. And so if we're kind of the ones that are there, it's like, cool. Like you guys release toothpaste tablets. Like we already have like other products that we're going to be releasing. That's going to do the same thing in other spaces. And so it's kind of like, for me, it's, I love that position. If we can just kind of still be there on the fringe and still pushing these big guys and Mm -hmm. showing out that there's like a market, that's like exactly where I want to be. Um, and so I just, I hope we're doing this, but more. Oh, that's cool. I mean, I definitely could see these companies coming and trying to acquire you and then I mean, a lot of those brands, I think, need to garner more trust. I mean, like you said, like whether it's gen- genuine reasons that they're doing it or not, like if they were to take a company like yours and try and, you know, pull it into their own, it'd be great if they could take your best practices and, you know, level them all the way up to the top of the company. It might be hard doing that. I'm trying to even think about like what that integration process would look like and mm-hmm. um, trying to maintain that, yeah, the clarity behind the message and the brand and the mission and everything. But I feel like they're going to come and just try and scoop you up. I don't know. I mean, well, and the whole point is like, if we can show that customers want this mm-hmm. and then the big guys start doing it, like that's when accessible, like accessibility no longer becomes, as long as they do it right. If yeah. they don't do it right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I will be tweeting up a storm. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, I'll tweet with you. But like, yeah, as long as like they're like, and it doesn't. And that's the thing too, is like for sustainability, it's like, Yes, I would love that we all want to like save the planet and we all want to do this. But also if if your company is behaving in a, in a legitimately sustainable way just mm-hmm. because you see that there's a market opportunity, that's the same to me. Yeah. You know, cuz at the, you know at the the baseline it's still helping the cause, you know. Yeah. So I think that's um I think that's where we're really trying to push. Like I really want that. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing perspective. I love that. All right. Well, let's hop over to the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud, our amazing sponsors. This is where I ask you a question and you have a minute or less to answer. Are you ready, Lindsay? I'm ready. Okay. What's the nicest thing anyone's ever done for you? The nicest thing anyone's ever done for me. I can't, I like what's bad is that I'm thinking of so many different things. I'm not like, oh, I can't think of one thing. I'm I'm just, I'm thankful for so many different things. I guess the first thing though, and I think it's because we were just telling the story, um, can I, this sounds so cheesy. I really think it's though, like the amount of forgiveness, <laughs> like my first customers gave us at the very beginning when I was sending these emails being like, I'm so sorry that I have your money and I can't deliver you product for two months. And they were like, it's cool. Like, like I, like that, like yeah. literally would bring me to tears. Like uh-huh. literally I would get those, I get those emails and I would like be crying like on my bed and Asher would be like, what's going on? I'm like, this customer said it's okay. You know, like, so, cause that was a really stressful time. So yeah. that was, I'm sure there's like way other, way more meaningful things, but that's the first thing that came to mind. I love that. Yeah. Not cheesy at all. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> what one thing do you not understand today that you wish you did? <laughs> I guess like investing, 
I guess, or something. I was, I mean, the first thing that he said, I was like, Bitcoin. <laughs> We've had people say that. So but, yeah, like, lean into insane. it. Let's bring that down. I'm spending too much time on Clubhouse, okay? Yeah. <laughs> hey, there's Bit- Bitcoin clubs. You can just hop in yeah, there. I know. You know, I don't think that'll help me understand it. <laughs> You can get up on stage, just ask all your questions. You'll be good. Yeah, I think, I think though, if I, if I, maybe if I did want to understand, I actually could, I should probably think of more meaningful things, but yeah, I'll, I'll say that. I'll say that okay, <laughs> cool. Um, another question. I feed my creativity by doing. Going on a run. Going on a run. Nice. Yeah. Random, but that I know off the bat. I like that. If you had a podcast, what would it be about? And who would your first guest be? Oh, I love that. Um, I would love to do like a, like sustainable journey type mm-hmm. one where it's uh, but it, ha- it would need to be done in like a non-boring way, which is why I haven't done this yet. Honestly, I would just love any excuse to talk to Jane Goodall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I would like literally start a podcast yeah. just like talk to Jane Goodall. Um, and so, yeah, that would, that would, I would just basically orchestrate a way to have a podcast so I could talk to her. I love that. <laughs> we are working on potentially putting together a sustainability podcast and looking for a sponsor right now. So anyone out there, we need it. And Lindsay's ready to hop in and talk to Jane. So we already have everything set up. Anytime. (laughs) All right. The last question, what one thing will have the biggest impact on e-commerce in the next year? Ooh, the incredible amount of brands that are starting up um, and the competition and the way that that's going and brands' abilities to adapt and like kind of what we were talking about, pioneering those new acquisition channels. Mm -hmm. I think that will be the biggest make or break moment for a lot of the brands that have popped up over the last like two years. Yep. Yeah. As like cat continues to go up and stuff. Yeah. That's a good answer. I do sit there and wonder like, how is this going to play out with all these new like DTC companies popping up so much competition? How do you stand out? It'll be interesting watching. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like what happened with TV in a way where it was like, there used to only be those channels, like certain Mm -hmm. channels. And then all of a sudden like the internet came and then it was really fragmented. And then there were so many and you're like, where are all the eyeballs? Like, how do we get eyeballs? It's like the same thing, but with brands. And I, I, it's a, it's a cool, yeah. It's a good thing for the customer. That's Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well, Lindsay, this interview has been so fun. You're a blast. Of course, we'll have to have you back for round two, hopefully in the future. Um, where can people find out more about you and Bite Toothpaste Bits? Yeah, on our website. So it's either Bite Toothpaste Bits or BiteToothpaste.com. They both go to us. And, uh, and then on social media, it's just at Bite. So okay. B-I-T-E. Amazing. Can't wait to try everything out. And thanks for joining us. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, you'll probably also love our e-commerce newsletter. To get it delivered straight to your inbox every week, sign up at mission.org slash upnextincommerce. Upnext in Commerce is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud and created by the team at mission.org. Subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs>